are living your story right now in this moment. You know, no two stories are alike. We are all unique. We all have a different lens through which we see the world. We all have something to contribute, to share, to be. That uniqueness takes courage. It's not easy to stand in your truth. It's not easy to let yourself be vulnerable, to be really seen, to be really heard. So many of us hide. So many of us stay hidden. So many of us make the choice to step forward, to own who we are, to own our stories, to share our voice. The tide is turning. We're moving into a space of deeper vulnerability, courage, authenticity, and love. We're moving closer to greater self-love, self-acceptance, honesty, and empowerment. To get there, to get to that space, means we have to authentically share who we are. It means we have to authentically show up as our true selves. The magic is in sharing who you are. The magic is in sharing your story. That's where this series comes in. Own your voice. Love yourself. Stay true to your story. Dive deep into your vulnerability. Shine in your authenticity. Once you do, there's no stopping you. Stay honest. Stay brave. Stay true to who you are. Welcome to Seek the Joy Podcast, the power of storytelling. Honestly, when Sydney first asked me if I'd be interested in sharing my story, I thought, oh my gosh, no, that does not sound fun. But I ended up texting back. I'm terrified, but that's probably a good indication that it's something that I need to do. Personally, I don't like speaking publicly, and I especially don't like rehashing my life's event events from two years ago. I've actually had a lot of anxiety building up to this moment, but I also know that personal healing and growth often come from places of discomfort, or at least that's what I hear a lot of motivational speakers and fitness trainers say. So <laughs> anyway, here goes nothing. It was a little over two years ago that I went to the doctor for my annual exam. I don't particularly enjoy these, I don't think anyone does, but they're usually pretty straightforward, so I didn't give it much thought. I was seeing a new doctor since my former OBGYN had recently switched practices. So she's doing the whole thing, she gets to the breast exam, and she noted that she had felt something a bit unusual. And so she wanted me to follow up with an ultrasound. And, you know, she continued on with the rest of the exam, assuring me that she didn't think anything was, you know, anything to be too concerned about. Obviously, she didn't know me very well because I'm not the type of person who can just let something like that go. I immediately spun into full-blown panic mode. I assumed every worst-case scenario in my head. And I walked out of the appointment in tears to my husband, David, who was sitting in the waiting room. And I told him, completely sobbing, that we needed to schedule an appointment for a breast ultrasound as soon as possible. 
And David, being the awesome guy that he is, sprung into action immediately so that before we even left the building, he had gotten me into an appointment for later that day. I'm guessing you've probably figured out where this story's going by now, so in lieu of me having to relive some of these very unpleasant details, I'm just going to get straight to the point. Two days after my initial appointment with the OBGYN, I was diagnosed with stage 2 breast cancer, and my world felt like it cracked right down the middle and split in two. From then on, everything was seen as pre-diagnosis and post-diagnosis. The weeks to come included a series of doctor's appointments, most of which I thankfully don't remember, with terms that I've, again, thankfully forgotten. I think it's funny how our brains cope like that. In that moment, I could have listed off a myriad of different drugs, procedures, all that that I was about to undergo. And now, as I think about it, it all kind of just blurs together. Almost like my mind is protecting me from these memories that are still just too difficult and um, too raw to recall. The next 11 months consisted of 16 rounds of chemotherapy, during which I lost all of my hair, a double mastectomy, and six weeks of radiation therapy. And honestly, even today, there are not sufficient words in the English language to describe how truly hard and awful that time period was. I will never forget the days that followed my surgery. I was completely bald, couldn't get out of bed on my own. And I remember the doctors had me paranoid about getting a blood clot in my legs from lack of activity. So I was super religious about keeping my compression stockings on all the time in the hospital. And when I finally had enough strength to walk, I remember just sort of shuffling down the hospital corridor. And I was going at like this snail's pace. And my mom was there and she was like basically holding me up. And I had my little IV bag. My IV was still connected. So I was rolling the little cart with me. And I remember making it back, making it down the hallway and back twice. And it felt like the biggest feat of athleticism of my entire life. And it's one of those things where even now, when I look back on that time, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how I did it. I seriously don't. The month after my surgery um, was spent primarily in bed which was so boring. At first it was like, oh, you know, this is great. This is just the rest I needed. It's so nice. And that lasted for like a week. And I was like, oh my gosh, get me out of here. I'm completely stir crazy. Cabin fever to the max. It was terrible. And then it was like, as quickly as everything had started, it was just over. They patted me on the back, sent me on my merry way. No, not really. I still have regular checkups, but still, that was it. And I had almost forgotten at that point what it was like to have a normal, I'm using quotey fingers right now, normal life. So one day, about two months after my surgery, I was rocking a buzz cut 
not gonna lie, looked pretty cute on me. And I said to David, hey, let's go outside and just take some photos. Uh, so something I forgot to mention earlier was that in the couple of years leading up to my diagnosis, I had been slowly cultivating my own lifestyle blog called Elements of Every Day. And I'm being extremely generous with the term lifestyle because honestly, it was more of an online journal that I very inconsistently posted my week's happenings to. But the whole point being uh, photos of my outfits and food and things I was doing was not entirely out of the realm of normal for us. So we pop outside snap a few shots, and throw them up in a post. And I can still remember what I was wearing because, honestly, there was absolutely nothing interesting, remarkable, or fashionable at all about it. But in that moment, I also remember thinking to myself, girl, you freaking beat cancer. Who cares what anyone thinks of you? So it was, every few days we'd go outside, take some photos, and then I'd come back to my computer and throw them up on the blog along with some thoughts from the day. And it just sort of became this routine thing that we did. But the more we did it, the more I realized how much I enjoyed it. I still remember thinking how badass I looked. So it was like, come on, what could anyone possibly say to me? So we did it. We kept at it for a few months, and finally, I had been consistent enough for a long enough time that I was like, okay, it's time to rebrand and make my blog something more official, and I wanted the name to reflect more of what um, my goal was. So I spent like two hours on GoDaddy one day just trying to come up with a good URL that wasn't already taken. And I had this idea that I wanted to somehow include the word thrive in it. And thrive was a word that God had put on my heart the year before, uh, right in the depths of chemo, uh, when it was just like right towards the end. And so I was feeling terrible, but it wasn't close enough to the end that I was like excited for it to be over yet and just completely hating life. And it was this moment where he showed me, I was having a really bad day, and he showed me, he just put it on my heart somehow, that I wasn't just going to survive breast cancer. I was going to thrive in my life moving forward. So anyway, I kept testing out names, and I got to tell you, it was kind of tough because you'd be surprised how many businesses used the word thrive in their names or slogans. I'm looking at you, Kaiser Permanente. (laughs) Anyway, then I finally figured it out. Dress to Thrive. It was the perfect name to combine both my love of styling outfits and fashion and my mission in life to thrive. And just like that, my business was born. Now, honestly, I can tell you right now, I don't think there will ever come a day when I say... And because all of that, I'm actually thankful that I got breast cancer because 100% if I had a do-over, I would not have chosen it for myself. But I will say that if I am trying to be the type of person who looks for the good in a situation, even an awful, terrible, horrible, completely unfair situation, my blog is definitely one of those silver linings.
it's been such a fun and challenging and at times frustrating, but ultimately rewarding experience. Just getting to see my growth over the past year and a half. And it's so crazy to be able to literally click back just a few pages and see the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual transformation that has occurred in my life. The most obvious being the steady progression of my hair from buzz cut to pixie to where it's at now, which is nice bob getting into a little bit of a lob. Um, But there have been countless other areas of growth. Uh, Fears conquered, lessons learned, friends made, and so much more. I'm just going to be upfront with you. Cancer freaking sucks. But at the same time, I'm also completely amazed at the number of blessings that were born of it. And of course, at the end of the day, I'm so thankful to be sitting here today getting to talk to you completely cancer-free. So thank you so much for letting me share my story with you. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned about myself in sharing my story is that the more I do it, the easier that it gets. It's still really, really hard, but every time I do it, it gets a little bit easier. And I think another thing that I've learned, not necessarily about myself, but just in general, is that there is um, a healing factor in being able to share. And a lot of the time, um, connection and community often comes from those places of hurt and struggle and vulnerability. And so I've been able to meet people and connect with others in a way that I wouldn't necessarily have gotten to. My biggest dream would be for Dress to Thrive to fully thrive. Um, I'd love for it to be someday my full-time job. Like I think that's any blogger's dream. And you know, I'm just gonna keep working at it until I get there. Our next story comes from Sarah Lane. I've been writing for as long as I can remember. Until recently, it was very intermittent throughout my life, but I always came back to writing, as if it was the one thing that kept me sane, kept me going. With an alcoholic father who died when I was 12 and emotionally abusive, drug-riddled brothers, writing was my sanctuary, my escape. However, in my early college years, I didn't think that I was progressing in my writing or developing the necessary skills as quickly as those around me, and in my frustration, I put my pen down, or in reality, closed my creative word documents for what I thought would be the last time. I stopped journaling. I stopped reading. I stopped exploring my creative side because I thought I wasn't creative enough. Life caught up with me, and I had shunned away from my coping mechanism. I spiraled after college. I thought I landed my dream job in marketing. While the company I worked for was great and some of the people I met there had an indescribable impact on my growth, I was wildly depressed. I felt lost and completely unsure of how to find direction in my life. I took a leap of faith and moved to Seattle to pursue a relationship. 
I was unwilling to admit that that was why I moved. You know, female empowerment and all that jazz. But that's 100% why I left LA. He brought light into my life and made me feel like I could do anything. After a little more spiraling and being laid off from my job, I finally saw that strength in myself too, and that strength catapulted me into my creativity. I'm finally embracing the creative side that grounds me in my life. I've been writing every day for the last six months, and every day new opportunities and ideas present themselves to me. I'm finally living a joyful life. I wrote a letter after reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert to empower myself to keep writing even on my bad days, to keep writing even after I get a rejection letter. I want to share it for those who may struggle with embracing their creative side all the time. Dear self, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if other people don't believe in you. It doesn't matter if people don't like what you share. What matters is that you just do it. Do it for yourself. Do it for your sanity. Do it for all the people before you that were too scared. Just write. Just keep writing. Don't let anyone stop you or tell you that you can't. It doesn't matter if your family scoffs at you. It doesn't matter if you're still fiddling with ideas. It matters that you write. It matters that you keep your feet on the ground and your head in the clouds and allow yourself to dream all the dreams you never thought you deserved to dream before. Because you do deserve to dream them. You do deserve to get all the words that are bouncing around in your head out and in front of you, even if no one else ever hears them. Keep going. Keep writing. Keep dreaming. You'll get there. I know it. Wherever there is, you'll get there. Much love. By sharing my story, I've realized that I can connect and resonate with people in so many ways. I never thought my story was powerful. I never thought I lived enough life or had good enough ideas to really reach people in a way that mattered. However, as I start to share my story more and more, I've realized that stories connect with people no matter your age or time, and you aren't alone in what you're facing. Share your story, and you never know who you might impact. My biggest dream is to be a published author. I'm working to share other people's stories and effectively grow their marketing through developing their business story, but I want to work up to writing my own novels as well. I kind of tear up a little bit at the thought of walking into a big bookstore like a Barnes & Noble or something and seeing my name on a shelf. While this is my career dream, I also dream of getting to settle down and build a life around something. After moving over 30 times, I've never been stable. I've never had a place to call home. I've never lived in one house for more than three years. I just want a home that I can come back to every day for the rest of my time with the man that feels like coming home whenever I see him. This is Seek the Joy Podcast, the power of storytelling. Join us, share your story. For more information and to get involved, visit seekthejoypodcast.com. This series airs the third week of every month, and make sure to join us for Seek the Joy Tuesday. Until then, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for being here, and thank you for listening.